I was talking with a friend recently about this very well-known passage from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, uh, chapter 13, his famous hymn on love, the wedding day reading, right? Almost everyone chooses this reading for their wedding day, the hymn to love. And I think these verses sound so flowery to us sometimes, so light and so fluffy. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love believes all things. Love never fails. Wow, slap that on a coffee mug, sell it on Etsy, and you cannot fail. Everyone wants that. Everyone loves these words. Everybody. But my friend said to me, you know, most of the time, we completely miss the context of what St. Paul is really talking about here. And so I asked, well, what do you mean? And she replied, you cannot read these words without the cross. You cannot read these words without keeping the cross in mind. The context for Paul's great passage on love, the full weight of these words, cannot be fully grasped without a meditation on the cross or without a meditation on rejection. So I'd like to do that right now this morning with you all. Let's reread this famous passage about love, but through the lens of the cross and through the lens of rejection. So first, love is patient. The very word patience comes from the Latin word for suffering. This is where we get the word passion, the passion of Christ. To be patient is to suffer, to suffer with and for somebody else. Jesus on the cross is patient. Love is kind. Who is more kind than Jesus on the cross? Who prays so sincerely and so kindly for his sworn enemies who are actively killing him? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Nowadays we see and hear the phrase, be kind, plastered everywhere, don't we? Be kind. We should be kind. Christians should be kind. But I wonder if this phrase, be kind, kind of gets reduced down to a superficial niceness or an agreeableness or kind of everything goes-ness. But here's the reality. There's no room for superficiality on the cross. Jesus on the cross is kind. Next up, love is not jealous. It is not pompous. In other words, love is not proud and showy. Instead, love is always humble. Where do we see humility more on display but when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples the night before he went to the cross? It is such a humble act, in fact, that Peter rejects it, right? He denies it. He says, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. You will never wash my feet. But Jesus on the cross is not pompous. Love is also not inflated. 
It is not rude, St. Paul says. Jesus is not inflated. He lowers himself. He empties himself. He doesn't fill up. He empties himself in becoming one of us and dying on a cross. He's not rude when people spit on him and smack him at his trial. He doesn't rudely respond with an insult. He says, why did you hit me? Why did you hit me? For what good thing did you hit me for? Love does not seek its own interests. Jesus said it himself, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. In the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, not my will, Father, but yours be done. He did not want to be in excruciating pain. He was not interested in dying, but he was interested in loving us and dying for our sake. Jesus on the cross does not seek his own interests. Love is not quick-tempered, St. Paul then says. Jesus did not rise up in outrage when he was condemned to die, did he? Neither did he lash out at the thief who mocked him on the cross right next to him. All his life, Jesus was repeatedly rejected. And though at important moments he did respond with appropriate and righteous anger, did he ever blow up in uncontrollable, disordered wrath? Of course not. Did he ever take to Twitter or the blogosphere and launch a total, unmitigated, merciless assault against all of those who dared defy him? Of course not. As the Old Testament puts it over and over and over for us, the Lord is slow to anger. We saw this on full display in our gospel today, didn't we? All of a sudden, first, everybody spoke well of Jesus, right? Everybody loved what Jesus was saying. Then he said something that they didn't like, and all of a sudden, they rise up in anger, they drive Jesus out of town, they take him up to the top of the hill, and they try to throw him off a cliff. How did he respond? I think it's great. It's one of my favorite verses in all of the Gospels. He passed through the midst of them and went away. I love it. It's, it's hilarious. It's inspirational. Isaiah's prophecy is perfectly fulfilled in him his entire life, and most especially on Good Friday. Though harshly treated, he submitted like a lamb led to slaughter. He did not open his mouth. Think for just a moment. What causes you to lose your temper? What sets you off? Because remember, Jesus on the cross is not quick-tempered. Next, love does not brood over injury. Does anyone think that Jesus grumbled and complained about the betrayal of Judas on the way up to the cross? Was he just broiling over anger? I can't believe one of my friends betrayed me. Did he brood over the fact that all of the other apostles had abandoned him? Of course not. Nobody in their right mind would ever accuse Jesus of brooding over injury on Calvary. In fact, he went there precisely to forgive all injuries, to heal all wounds. What injuries are you still brooding over? 
What do you still need to forgive? Or at least begin the process of forgiving. Remember, Jesus on the cross does not brood over injury. St. Paul then tells us, love does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And again, this is perfectly revealed on the cross when Christ sees the truth and the sincerity of the other thief, the good thief that was on the other side of him, hanging there saying, Lord, remember me. He rejoices in the truth of that man's sincerity, doesn't he? He promises that good thief, today you will be in paradise with me. After this light and momentary pain, we will rejoice. Jesus on the cross rejoices with the truth. Paul then ends his beautiful hymn on love with these words. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And we could just as easily replace the word love again with the cross. We could have just as easily said the cross bears all things. It bore the weight of our Savior. The cross believes all things. Not in like a relativistic, everything is true sort of way, but in that sense that like, we're not going to doubt everything. We live in a time of great suspicion, don't we? The cross hopes all things. We hope and believe that people of goodwill will see the truth and come to it. The cross endures all things, no matter what the cost. The cross, the power of Christ crucified, that perfect sacrifice that that forgives every sin that has ever been committed, ever, never fails. The cross never fails. We could go on and on with this meditation, but suffice to say, Jesus is love. God is love. And in the end, love only makes sense if you keep it fixed on that cross, if you look at it through that lens. Why? Well, because love is always willing to be rejected. Love is always willing to be rejected. I'm sure that everybody here this morning has experienced some form of rejection at some point in their life. Maybe you did not feel loved or appreciated by your parents or family. Maybe you got bullied at school, or maybe, maybe you're currently being bullied at school. Maybe you got dumped by someone that you thought you would marry one day. Maybe you did get married to that person, and the marriage didn't work. Maybe someone let you down, or disappointed you, or wounded you in a deep and lasting way. Maybe it was a priest or a bishop. I don't know. Maybe your kids have left the faith. Maybe they have made life choices that fill you with excruciating pain. Maybe you feel like you've failed the people that you love the most. Whatever form of rejection we have experienced, big or small, we all know that rejection really hurts. None of us wants to be rejected. It feels like being torn apart. It feels like being crucified. And yet, love that isn't willing to be crucified isn't really love at all. It really isn't love at all. 
On the cross, love got definitively rejected in the most complete way possible. Jesus is love incarnate. If anyone deserves to be embraced and accepted and wanted and desired and loved, it's him. And yet, except for a handful of people weeping at the foot of the cross, nobody really wanted him. Nobody really desired him. He was forsaken and left for dead, strung up, mocked, ignored, smacked around, and spit on. And unfortunately, this is still happening today. People are still rejecting love and preferring just about everything else. Vacations, romance, sports, education, careers, politics. All those things are good in their own right. But love is not loved, as St. Francis of Assisi once moaned in prayer in the middle of the night. Love is not loved. Love himself is so often ignored, denied, betrayed, and rejected by us. And yet somehow this rejected love, an abandoned love, a forsaken love, a love that's crushed, is still able to make all things new. Catherine Doherty once wrote so beautifully, deep down in our hearts, we know that his rejection is the healing for our rejection. Somehow, mysteriously, him being rejected on the cross heals our rejection. His rejection gives us hope. It gives us clarity and peace. It breaks the cycle of sin by grace, and it reforges our broken relationship with God. It heals our wounds. By his wounds, we are healed. By his cross, we triumph. God promised Jeremiah in our first reading this weekend, It is I this day who have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron, a wall of brass. They will fight against you. That's what God promises. They will reject you. They will not accept you. They will probably betray you. But they will not prevail over you, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. They will not prevail over God's love. So do not give in to despair. Do not be discouraged by the weight of rejection. Instead, come to the foot of the cross. That's what we do every time we come to Mass. Every single celebration of the Holy Eucharist, we lift up Jesus. We lift up divine love on this altar. There's no obnoxious resounding gong or clashing cymbal here. It's just the clear ringing of the Sanctus bells. And that signifies, and that calls attention to the fact that love, true love, is found here and received here. And we all know full well that love never fails, the cross never fails, the Eucharist never fails.